0: So men traditionally suppress emotion and they're less in touch with it. Women are deeply in touch with emotion. It turns out that women read emotions better because in the world, the nurturer, reading emotions is very important and they do it much, 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 much better than men. Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. We are starting a new series on why men are the problem and the solution when it comes to marital issues basically this is you get to blame the guys for everything but if you get to blame the guys for everything that means you give them all the power to fix it too we're going to explore both sides of this quandary and it's just a perspective by the way i mean in real life we know relationships it takes two to make a relationship today We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right. We're going to talk about how the concept of men or masculinity has evolved, at least on this side of the planet, and how it might be enhancing or hurting marriages and relationships. Ah, yes. So let's go back in time and have a brief overview of the evolution of human societies from hunter-gatherers to modern times. Or maybe let's not, right? In a nutshell, the role of men until very recently was largely influenced by the need to survive. No matter what your story of creation is, the reality is that until very recently in human history, we were scratching and fighting to eat. Right, What most people did every day was try to find food. And some people did better with it than others. And this need to survive showed up on a lot of different levels. There's hunting. There's gathering. There's dealing with other people. Savory characters and unsavory characters. And the fact is that men are physically larger. And their bodies, uh, the male bodies take physical abuse better than female bodies. They're better equipped for fighting, hunting, that kind of thing. And I'm not saying that women can't fight. And I'm not saying that women can't hunt. But what I'm saying is when we look at the male body and we look at the female body, the female body is really good at, in terms of survival, nurturing and sustaining and birthing, right? Things men just can't do. Men cannot birth. Men cannot nurture children with their bodies the way women can. It's just, this is just a fact. So what does that mean? That means that traditionally men have been, let's call it a warrior archetype and not all men are warriors. And we went, when we went to farming from hunting, a lot of that changed, but just get that widely agrarian society where there's a lot of farming, that's a fairly recent thing last few thousand years. And there was still a lot of fighting and hunting that went on up until very recently, So the archetype of the warrior is strong, unyielding provider and protector. And protector and provider, I'm going to separate provider for a second. Protector, obviously, because men were physically bigger and because they were raised to protect and to hunt and to fight off other groups that might be predatorial in regards to their family or their town or their tribe or whatever. Provider, I almost think is unfair, because when it comes to farming and gathering women kick men's asses provision today shows up as taking something and making more of it that's the role of the man when it comes to provision you know today women might earn more than a man but the man very often has the role of what to do with that um and how to make more of it what does that mean well actually let's before we go to what what does that mean let's talk about the the why of that why men it's not just that they're physically bigger it also has to do with brain structure um the male brain has less connections between the right lobe and the left lobe women's brain has more connections between their left lobe and the right lobe and as a result women use their brain 5% more efficiently than men because they move around between the two lobes much more easily and much more freely Uh, what that means is that men, because they move between the lobes less freely, tend to be more linear, right? One lobe is creative, one lobe is logical. Men tend to hang in one lobe and they tend to be very linear and very methodical about that one thing that they're doing. Whereas women will move around between the two, they'll have a better blend of creativity and logic than men will. And so because men are very linear and focused, they are great at blocking out sounds like, what, a baby crying? They're really good at hearing small breaking branch. They're very focused. They have not very good peripheral vision, it turns out. It turns out women have better peripheral vision than men. It turns out that women read emotions better because in the world, the nurturer, reading emotions is very important. They need to be able The child comes in the world... They have no way of expressing their emotions other than the way that their body moves and how emotion expresses itself in literally micro-expressions because babies have little or no control of their bodies and women, because they are the role of nurturing those children, need to be able to read those emotions and they do it much, 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 much better than men, all right? Men are really good at being linear and they tend to not see a lot of value in emotion, like when you're hunting or fighting Being in touch with your emotions is not always helpful. If you're really afraid, right, it's not gonna help you. If you're really, really hungry, it might get in the way of your being able to hunt properly. So men traditionally suppress emotion and they're less in touch with it. Women are deeply in touch with emotion. By the way, why men are such a big freaking problem in relationships, right? I mean, relationships are all about emotion. Men tend to be very utilitarian about relationships. They tend to be very linear about relationships. But if you're going to be in a relationship with a creature that's all about emotion, suppressing your emotion and being linear are you going to be your greatest weaknesses. This is why men are the problem. Okay? And the other thing is that children need Emotional presence, whether they're male children or female children. You know, the, the distinction between male and female children is less pronounced until they hit adolescence. And so, and I'm actually sort of interested in what happens to testosterone and estrogen levels pre adolescence. I'm going to do some research on that. But the development of these connections between the two lobes and the linear development of male brains, this has everything to do with the, tes- the presence of testosterone and estrogen. I'm going to guess that pre-adolescence, those levels are less distinct in male and female children. And then when they hit adolescence, that's when those things kick in. But I don't know that for sure. So I could be talking out of my keister when I say that. I'm going to look into that. But we do know that children, in children, the needs are, are fairly similar, though boys definitely have one set of behavior and girls have another set of behavior. And you know what? That, maybe I have a very traditional mindset on that and I need some education, but that's my mindset on that today. All right, so men are stoic and they have a lot of emotional suppression, but they don't lack emotion. We don't lack emotion. We have emotion. We just tend to compartmentalize it. So along comes industrial society and everything starts to change. And the realization that men and women are equal but different really starts to manifest, right? We finally give, women finally have the right to vote. For example, boy, that took a while. They were the last people to get the right to vote. There's property, there's wealth, there's inheritance. And in the earliest, earlier phase of the Industrial Revolution, men were the primary breadwinners. And we have finally come to a time where women can be the primary breadwinners. And when women are the primary breadwinners, because culturally that hasn't been the norm for thousands of years, for the most part, it hasn't been the norm for thousands of years. This can be very disruptive. Men are the problem, (laughs) right? Now roles have changed. And the concept of masculine is seriously being challenged. And it's interesting. You see it in uh, our culture. There's what's called toxic masculinity. And we've done episodes on toxic masculinity here. And notice that the definition of toxic masculinity is men being toxic to women. And then there's what's called toxic femininity, and toxic femininity is women being toxic to women. So the toxicity is defined from an underdog, oppressed group point of view. It's basically comes out of the women's liberation movement, and it's an effort to end that the toxicity of the view that women are less than in some way, shape, or form. I would argue that since we know that men and women are equal, toxicity is something different than simply the oppression of women. Toxicity is the oppression of any individual for any reason, the putting on any individual being less than. That's the enlightened version of toxicity. But we see men being accused of being toxically masculine when they embrace an old school view of masculinity I'm the man. Uh, men are physical, and if you don't like it, tough. And it's interesting because, you know, what gets men into a relationship, women are drawn to men, and this is statistically proven. They're drawn to men who are good providers. By the way, they're not necessarily um, physically strong, but they can provide protection. They make it, they're providers, they provide safety and so you move into it now we moved into an era where men who are capable of making a lot of money and creating safety for their women with that money are very attractive not necessarily men who are seriously butch and buff though women like that quality too and men are still attracted to women who are what they have big hips and they're good childbearers they're attractive and they're good childbearers that's physically attractive women are l- less concerned about physical attraction and more concerned about the ability to provide. And that's very ingrained and um, historically grounded and genetic, I would even argue. All right, so the good qualities of men, uh, the things that we celebrate are courage, leadership, strength, and resilience, except we don't celebrate it when that leadership is at the expense of others. That's what we're calling toxic masculinity. And the problem that many men are having today is how do I lead? in this men and women are equal society. And now there's a permission now for men to be more vulnerable and a permission now for men to have their emotions. And the thing is that men are good at that. (laughs) And so sometimes when we have our emotions, what that means is uh, we do it in a way that's scary for women or we do it in a way on the other side of it. you know, Listening to the work of Brene Brown, she's pointed out that there's not a lot of permission for men to be emotionally vulnerable, even though vulnerability is the basis of a loving and caring relationship. Uh, And that has to do with cultural norms. But when this idea is explored in relationship, when men and women develop a certain level of trust and identify that there is a cultural norm that isn't necessarily helping their relationship, then that permission can happen. And the very thing that is the good in men... This thing of courage and leadership and strength and resilience. And let's add, let's throw in some more. Uh, protectors, providers, servants. Right? The men serve the family. Right? We don't talk about that a lot. They serve it. The hunters serve the family by bringing in food. The hunters serve the family by protecting it. The hunters serve the family by giving their lives for the family. These were all strengths. These are all strengths that are in each and every man on some level, but those also the negatives, right? And these are the same, very same things that get us in trouble in our marriages. On the toxic side, it shows up as showing up in a way emotionally that is scary for our partners. When men and women get into, a lot of the couples that I work with, when we get down to it and we t- we talk to, the woman's response to the man's anger, she's afraid. When And the man's response to the woman's anger, he feels challenged and disrespected. So men aren't very often afraid of their wives' anger. Women, however, are often instinctively afraid of their man's anger. And that is because men are physically bigger and because they're supposed to be the protector. It's kind of like you have a dog in your house. All men are dogs, right? I'm laughing. But you have a dog in your house. But that's that expression has roots in this, by the way, all men are dogs. You have a dog in your house that you've acquired for protection. Let's call it a Doberman Pinscher or a German Shepherd. These are dogs that are trained to protect. And one day the dog's got a bone and you take the bone from it as punishment and the dog turns on you. And your first reaction is most likely going to be fear. If it's a very well-trained dog and they're very angry, uh, they're very ferocious, they're challenging you directly, your first reaction might be fear. Now, your second reaction might be, I'm going to kill you, or I'm going to run away, or I'm going to play dead, right? Fight, flight, or play dead. But those are the reactions that you have. And how you react to that dog is going to decide whether that dog is going to live or die, right? If you're afraid of the dog, you're going to have that dog put down. If you have a fight reaction, you're going to put that dog in its place and remind it who's in charge, and it won't ever do that again. Or If the dog really has an instinctual problem and doesn't recognize that you are the bigger dog, you will have to put it down anyway. Well, that's what happens with a lot of men. They start fighting with their wives and the women, their wives are yelling at them and they're going, well, hell, she has permission to yell at me. I'm going to yell back and they don't get that they're the bigger dog and they don't get that what you do to the dog that turns on you is you put its ass down. And that is exactly why most divorces are initiated by women, because they are putting down that vicious dog. Another pitfall might be that many men suppress their emotions. They uh, suppress their emotions to the point where they're not meeting the needs of their family, or they might feel when they feel that they're being pressured emotionally and they don't know how to deal with it, they escape into the role of providing and work uh, and they just get deeper and deeper into their work. You know, I can't tell you how many men step into richer relationships, saying, "I don't understand what happened here. I was providing and when things got bad, I provided more and it got worse. right They just don't understand that provision is not the only thing that they do as men, right? And you know, the ugly is really what we were just talking about. The ugly is the darker side of masculinity when that anger cannot be kept in check. When the man, not only is he returning anger with anger, but he's in rage all the time. When a man is, Brene Brown's studies show that when men have shame, they either repress their feelings or they're angry, like rageful all the time, raging all the time. So much so that they're scared, Uh, they're scary to their wives and their children, uh, you know, and they give into their instinctual response and they have no self-restraint. All right, so that's the problem. The problem's even a little bigger than that, though. Part of the bad, let's just go back a step, the part of the good and part of the bad. So on the good side, men are very linear, as we pointed out. It's part of their brains. They're very goal-oriented. So on the good side, what that means is they will work tirelessly to hit their goal. They will not let their emotions get in the way. They will work through something till they get to the goal. Uh, it's why we need women, by the way, because when we work tirelessly to get to a goal and it's at the emotional expense of our family, then what we've done is destroyed our family in order to reach a financial goal. That's part of why working endlessly doesn't work. Well, that's a strength though. Ultimately, the goal oriented in a healthy relationship, when a husband and wife have shared goals, long-term goals, the wife will allow the husband to be the shepherd Of the long-term goals, and the husband will allow the wife to be the shepherd of how the steps towards those goals impact the family. And so the wife will be the guide to whether each step is positive or not and when to execute them and when not to execute them. In the bad scenario, the man is goal-driven no matter what, does not care what the wife says, does not care about the children, you know, and when the wife disagrees, he will try and fix the wife. What's bad about that is, or maybe he doesn't, he's trying to, in his mind, he's not trying to fix her. He's trying to straighten her out so that they're all in alignment towards the same goal. Babe, don't you remember? We set this goal. This is what we need to do. I need to get this account so that we can have that money. When we have that money, we can have the bigger house and we can have the bigger house we've got the extra moon for the next child and it's going to be so much better. And she says, oh, no, 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 but you don't understand. You know, uh, you're not present now. If you get that next job, we're really not going to see you. And our first child really needs you. And I miss you. Oh, well, you know what? You just need to suck it up because this is what needs to happen for us to reach your goal. That's the bad. And when it gets ugly is when the man completely discounts what the wife is saying. She says, no, 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 no. Look, you don't get it, honey. Like if you do this, it's going to destroy the family. And he says, F it. Right, that's when it gets ugly. I'm gonna do it anyway. Right. So men have inherent strengths developed over thousands of years. When those strengths are bad is when they are unaware when that lack of an emotional connectivity or that tendency to suppress emotion or compartmentalize it gets in the way of their connecting with their partner, that's when it's bad. When it's ugly is when men become toxic. That's toxic masculinity. That's when you're ignoring your partner. She's saying, why are you always trying to change me? Why are you always trying to fix me? You're scary. What's going on here? And you're going, you know what? I got this. I'm in charge. That's when it gets ugly. And that is why men are the problem. All right. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. This is a, an awesome topic because it's pushing people's buttons. I know I've pushed so many buttons and I love that. So I want to hear what you know. What got pushed for you? What's going on? What came up for you? Comment. Um, I want you to get other people in on this game, talking about challenges of marriage and particularly the wiring of men and why men are the solution and the problem here. And next episode, what we're going to talk about is modern pressures and expectations how the world views men today. We're going to go a lot deeper into this. We're going to talk a lot more about how men can start to become the solution. That's kind of the turning point for the next episode. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe.